The Guardian. Hello again, I'm Matt Wells. This is Media Talk. Coming up, another high-profile journalist leaves the BBC as political correspondent Laura Kunzberg becomes ITV's new business editor. We look at what it means for the fortunes of both broadcasters. Also in the podcast... Would you all say hello, please? Hello! Could Dave Lee Travis be the unlikely saviour of the World Service? Plus, double-digit losses for The Guardian, and... Thank you very much indeed. Hello, good evening, and welcome. David Frost returns to BBC Two as the channel announces its summer and autumn schedule. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Joining me in the pod this week is Ollie Mann from the uh, Sony award-winning uh, Answer Me This podcast. Thank and you. My contract does stipulate you have to say you that, to say that yeah. as a prefix every time. And he's uh, well. You're very excited to be here because uh, because it means that uh, I'm meeting Dame Maggie Brown, <laughs> the uh, the goddess of media journalism, as you were described this week. Indeed, I was by um, none other than uh, Baroness uh, Bonham Carter at a, at a media seminar. Promoted from the Duchess of Dulwich. And uh, about time too. Absolutely uh, good. Uh, well, uh, I think in a, in a sort of a Miranda fashion. It's uh, on with the show. Bong! ITV has announced the signing of BBC News Chief Political Correspondent Laura Kunzberg, one of the rising stars of the corporation's newsroom. She'll join ITV in the autumn as business editor. Kunzberg is not the first high-profile departure from the BBC over the last few months. Matt Fry is jumping ship to Channel 4 News, where he'll be their Washington correspondent, while Newsnight's Jackie Long is following Fry to become the programme's social affairs editor. So uh, what does all this mean, uh, all this poaching, uh, for the BBC and ITV news teams? It's a very good signing for ITV, uh, isn't it, Maggie? She's it's an a, extremely good signing. Yeah. I mean, she was the star of the election last year for the BBC, in my opinion. Uh, but what this really shows, actually, is that ITV News, the 10 o'clock news in particular, is really going through a very good patch. It went through a, a terrible period of uncertainty, as we know, when it was moved around. Then it got re- reinstated. And what's happened is that the new management at ITV are definitely putting in more money, more resources, and they have given it their, their backing. And you can see it. I mean, we saw their kind of coverage of the Royal Wedding, I mean, orchestrated with other ITV presenters. But, you know, the team of Mark Austin and uh, Judy Etchingham and the, the other uh, quite high-profile correspondents, I think, are delivering very well. And they have a very gung-ho sort of attitude. I think she will fit in extremely well. I think it's interesting that, um, that a high-profile journalist felt that an approach from ITV was a thing to be, you know, to, to, to be accepted and, and to be enthusiastic about. Because, you know, there, there would have been a time when you'd have really thought hard, long and hard, if you had a good position at, at the BBC, whether going to ITV, which had, as you said, you didn't, ITN did not have a very good reputation for a long time, would be a really good career move. Well, of course, you know, there may be other opportunities as well for her. I mean, she's a very able person, and they may be thinking, as Channel 4 are doing at the moment, of using their high-profile correspondents and presenters to make documentaries and do other current affairs programs so I think it's a good move after all the BBC is stuffed with political correspondents who never seem to get on air she's managed to fight her way past all the Nick Robinsons etc but this really um, gives her a new patch I agree it's business Uh, I've got high hopes and if she can make business um, bouncy and interesting and you know uh, if you if you like kind of tabloid but kind of engaging then great yeah I think I think she's just actually part of this ping pong that always goes on between BBC and ITV and actually her long-term goal might be just to go back to the the BBC, like because Nick Robinson this is what did. Nick Robinson did. Yeah. He, in fact, this is interesting. He was the, she. He had her exact same job. He was um, chief political correspondent and the main. Uh, I think he was the main, um, uh, you know, face on the, on the news channel. Mm-hmm. She she is now. And then he he left because I think it was 
Andrew Mark at the time, or it might have been Robin Oakley, was the, was the political editor and he didn't feel he was going anywhere, did he? So he left and, and became the top man at ITV. Well, he took over from John Sargent, who That's was basically right. dying at yeah. ITV News yeah. at 10, wasn't he? He just went there to have two years of more money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that Laura Kunzberg, it seems to me, might be trying to play the same sort of game. Yeah, she goes away to ITV for a few years, and then when she comes back... If she's a business journalist all of a sudden and Robert Peston has been moved on to become, you know, the Andrew Marr apparent or whatever it is, yes. then you can sort of see that that could work quite well five years down the There's line. There's also an, an inter- interesting digital issue in here. She's big on Twitter, mm. um, 60-odd thousand followers. And interestingly, she was one of those people who um, uh, the BBC set her up with a Twitter account that says it's BBC Laura Kay is her thing. And there's a debate, there seems to be a debate unresolved because the BBC hasn't said one way or another. Um, whether she's allowed, allowed to take all her followers with her. Well, they've kind of had this before with Lauren Laverne, though, because uh, Lauren's account on Twitter was related to her Six Music show. Right. Then she went off to do that thing on Channel 4 with Charlie Brooker, and suddenly she became whatever her handle is on Twitter yes. now, which is Lauren Laverne. So I, I think that precedent's been fought and won, actually. I think Laura can take her followers with her. It is about her, not the BBC. And well, they'll find her anyway, won't they? Well, I mean, don't. this isn't, you know, an ownership. You think, you think that, yes. I, I do, especially if you're... I mean, they're not going to hire her like this and then bury her away you will see her on the programme I, well, well ITV have already picked up and um, reserved the ITV Laura Kay Twitter really handle, yes just in case and don't so. forget ITV uh, I, you know they're putting more resources between ITV.com uh, the, the news uh, version of, of their news I mean they, they, mm. they realise that they have to have a presence 24 hours so I, I would say there's a lot of scope for her I agree she may well uh, move back the same may be true of Matt Fry going to Channel 4 but actually this is a healthy trade and we shouldn't be concerned by this we should re- rejoice really that there's some moving going on also good that that that, that you know if itv is, is as you, if it is as you say resurgent as a news force that there's not just the two big uh, you know it's not just bbc and sky news which are the main uh, news providers here it's absolutely essential and i mean it's part of their license agreement and they clearly um do know now that they have to actually have live news otherwise they don't seem like a channel of you know of, of either record mm. or actually substance one last point though um lots of people have been itv itn business editors and they've all been trumpeted in their time and they all seem to sink with that trace yes but look at the times we're in you know um it depends how broadly her brief is is uh, going to be cast but she has a really good nose for a story come on if she can't find things to report about of mm. national interest at a time when industry is going through unprecedented strains banks uh, are doing whatever they're doing I- i'd just be amazed i actually think she'll have more time as well to focus on the digital side of her brief actually as well because what she was doing before was basically saying the same thing 26 times a day on bbc news channel mm. now she only has to say it once at 10 o'clock so yes. she's got all day to spend breaking stories online. I, I, I wonder if she, she was the kind of you know mistress of live, live political journalism. She's great live. Yeah. You know, one of those people who's not. It's very difficult to do sort of open-ended live live broadcast. And that was as you well, see. Well, she might become Tom Bradbury. Oh, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he'll be moved off to be ultra royal correspondent <laughs> yes, or something. Possibly. I know okay. it's not good news for the people who were preparing her five live show though, which was due to start in two weeks' time. Oh, was there going to be a five? I didn't know about. Yeah, this. it was announced a few months ago. She was going to be doing a show called Double Take with uh, Sam Walker, and oh. uh, as yet, position vacant. I believe. No, well, I think ITV have stipulated that she can't. Ah, interesting. Okay, that's good uh, good new new information. Thank you very much, Uh, Ollie. We'll uh, leave leave that there. Let us know what you think on the blog at guardian.co.uk slash media talk. Time to check out some of the other media headlines in the news this week. Uh, Let's start a bit close to home. The Guardian's parent company, uh, GNM, last week announced a, uh, well, a £33 million cash loss for the last financial year. Um, No glossing over that. And new chief 
executive Andrew Miller, well, newish chief executive Andrew Miller, has outlined uh, what's called a digital first strategy to get the company out of the red, or at least partly, perhaps perhaps to get back into the pink. Um, the Guardian editor, editor-in-chief Alan Rusbridger was on Steve Hewlett's show earlier in the week saying that there will be uh, undoubtedly significant job cuts over the next two years as they carry out this this plan. Uh, Maggie, what do, you, what do you make of all of this? Well, I was at the briefings last week, and um, it was a very, very sombre and sobering moment. I mean, I, I knew what I thought I was going to hear, but what I actually saw on screen when I looked at some of the projections and the general losses that are mounting, and, and uh, you know, despite the cuts of renting a place. I mean, it Guardian, says it's un- did nothing. an unsustainable business, mm. and uh, I, I found it uh, extremely alarming. Uh, I agree that there has to be a digital-first strategy now because clearly paper sales are going down. Um, And I would have hoped now that there could be what you might call not a terribly long, protracted, two-year kind of period of misery and almost nervous breakdown, but that um, perhaps something could be resolved a bit bit more rapidly. It's going to be a very, very tough period. And, I I mean, this is such an important institution. I, I just hope everybody working here on the staff and... Uh, you know, people who've, who've got responsibility for, for sections uh, really can find a way of reforming the way they work. There, uh, there was, uh, there has already been, and this was acknowledged in the, in the briefings last week, a period, a voluntary redundancy programme. I mean, it does. Wrong people often leave. I mean, you know, very. Well, this good is what writers, happens if you have a voluntary redundancy programme. You can't program. have voluntary redundancy programmes. There has to be proper redundancies, I'm and afraid. And do you think that's what will have to happen? Well, when you have 630 journalists and uh, you have already gone through a voluntary redundancy programme, and if, as I understood it, um, you need many more people who've got the development skills to do um, the kind of social networking and other areas that the Guardian and needs to do online. New di- developing products. new, yeah. de- I mean, I, I was rather. I mean, yesterday I was actually at lunch at, uh, with the Channel Four director, and you know they are they are they are absolutely desperate to um, advertise on the Guardian's iPad version, but of course it's been delayed. Mm. And there are many areas where you know you can see that more resource needs to go into. So yes, there has to be a scaling back of the print operations. And, and the ha- idea. Is that there will be a relaunch of the, of the paper, more focused on uh, on analysis? People have said it's it's more comment, and I, 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 that's not what I got from. from no, my I didn't get that title. More more analysis and deep investigative. Well, what Alan was actually kind of saying thing, yeah. is that if half the people are reading the paper in the evening, they're reading it not so, thirty six hours after a news story. Uh, what they really want is putting things in context. And you know, I think with so many sections, um, less uh, resources going into a paper, which perhaps some people throw bits away of anyway. Um, the other thing that was, I mean, the most dreadful, in a way, thing that shocked me last week, which I didn't expect, was this loss of £40 million over three years in the uh, classified job advertising uh, sex- sectors, which really um, has always been such a big bread and butter uh, area and for it's the never ca- it's not And back. it's not going to and come back. That's something you really could have predicted a you very long predict. time well, ago. How long has Craigslist yes. been around for? I, know, I don't think there was any doubt that this was going to happen. Mm. I mean, I don't think you can, that this wasn't predicted. But really, we all know that newspapers are going to die eventually. It's yes. just a question of when. I mean, it might be 50 years if enough Russian oligarchs come in and buy them all up, but we all know that they're going to die. So, in a way, I mean, what I haven't heard but, from yeah. The Guardian is an apology for getting things wrong perhaps four or five years ago and not being bolder. And here, it's difficult to say this with you yeah. here because, of course, you know friends and colleagues who work here and we're sitting in a beautiful, shiny building. But if there hadn't been a beautiful, shiny building, if they hadn't gone to the Berliner format, if they'd actually said five years ago, in 2011, we're going to switch to an online-only version, mm. maybe you've been in the well, situation now. That's interesting. And I, I think 
think that certainly being bolder is is something that people you know that you hear, you hear a lot about. Perhaps the Guardian should. should and I think that the, the we problem were is though that you see the paper um, has been the main source of revenue, and and, and it's still and and it's still fifty so. fifty. It's no. still fifty fifty, yeah. and and it's only now as newsprint is going up so rapidly and other costs that that's slipping. The, the Guardian has also set the online side very very testing targets. I'm doubling their income to ninety one million. Uh, by 2015-16 plus a contribution from America yes. these, are, these are very and even at the end of all of this as I saw the figures it's still predicting a loss of 15 million pounds a year even if everything goes right so that's why I say it was a really somber mm. sobering moment and I, I, I think that uh, working practices and all sorts of things will have to change here okay well it's, uh, it's new or robust then isn't it <laughs> of- well you of course are running off to your well, exactly. loft you've just been telling me well yes I know but uh, obviously there's all, all these targets that the minor matter of these targets that I'm going to have to meet as well. <laughs> I'm absolutely petrified, Maggie. Of course, maybe lots of fluffy kittens and half-naked celebs will be the key to it. This I'm is- imagining you with an iPad in a holster, like a brave new frontier. Uh, well, quite. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned uh, fluffy kittens and half-naked celebs because I'm just looking at this story <laughs> from the uh, uh, from Media Guardian today, which uh, says that the Mail Online has neared uh, 80 million monthly users, and th- these are the audited uh, online traffic from ABC, which says that uh, the Daily Mail has, is up 21 percent month on month and uh, a considerable amount year on year to 77 million uh, unique browsers in May. Guardian is up too, mind you, to uh, uh, over 50 million uniques, so it's not all bad. Uh, but I mean, the Mail success online. Is astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, but they'd be disgusted if they knew how many immigrants are reading it, Matt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, well. Yes. Uh, we'll. Uh, I'm sure that will. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, I think that the, you've, got, you've just got to hand it to them, haven't you? you know, there's, there's no doubt that, that is a big success story. Well, but they do. It's a bit serious point. They go for lowest common denominator on their website, and uh, yeah. it it's doesn't really tell interest. With, it's it, what the readers find interesting. Yeah, it's kind of fine when there's like a most popular matrix, and you can see that that actually algorithmically is the thing mm. people are looking at. But when they're actually feeding you. Uh, sort of underskirt shots of uh, celebrities getting out of cabs and things. I'm, I'm looking at some of them now. It doesn't. I bet you are. It doesn't really <laughs> tally with what the Daily Mail does in the paper. And I think, um, yeah. I mean, actually, one of the Guardian's strengths in this field is that what you do online more or less does. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's why there's actually some optimism about the Guardian moving forward online. Is it's got such a strong brand, and people want to read that online. People don't want to quite read what the Mail does online because that's right. a paper product. I, I was at a wedding reception the other day, and all the people around the table they'd all met each other through Guardian soulmates. Oh, right. I was wondering, wondering where that was going actually. <laughs> But, uh, yes, there we are. There was a Guardian connection. Uh, the, uh, should we do some other tech stories? Um, Ollie, well, you should fill us in on these. Um, there's this 19-year-old living with his mum in, es- in an Essex bungalow who uh, has been arrested on suspicion of being the uber hacker who brought down the CIA website. Yeah. It, well, what there's very little analysis of, I find, is, is why someone like that would want to do that. There's all these big names thrown around. You know, oh, they hacked into the US Senate, allegedly. They hacked into Sony, allegedly. They hacked into the serious organised crime agency. Um but you're not really dealing with the root cause of why. And, I mean, the clue's in the name, lulls. Lulls. Uh, they're so doing it, yes. it for fun. Yes. And it's quite difficult because there's all and of it's these... it's lulsec. That's right, yeah. yeah. There's all of these um, sort of antivirus companies and things that are there to scare you, to say all oh, people are after your banking details, they're after your credit card details, they're after bringing down the government, the organisation. They're not, they're just doing it for a laugh. And that's yes, because they're the X Factor as well. They, they apparently, allegedly, you know, had uh, targeted 250,000 names leaked of the contestants. And the thing is, I mean, that's just sort of teenage rebellion, really, isn't it? It's no different to punk. It's just happening on the internet. And so Don't what you can think you do? his mother's a bit daft, leaving his dinner outside of his bedroom door for four years? I mean, he hasn't been out of the house I mean you know I just 
put myself in the position of having, having say, a, a... I was going to say, it wouldn't happen in your house. It, it certainly would not. No, but also, not. a lot of the things I think that he did were denial of service attacks, which is when you just yes, sort of besiege right. your website with lots of requests. That's not that difficult to do. And you can type it into Google, Isn't download it? the software to do it, and do it if you want to. Um, <laughs> what's going to happen to him? I mean, he's been arrested. I mean, will, will he go to, to some well, sort of prison could, and I'd... be given a proper IT training course or something? <laughs> I don't know. He could be a great entrepreneur. Uh, police apparently didn't find any evidence of a girlfriend. Uh, Google Street View has <laughs> run into has run into problems uh, in India. Um, what, what, what's this about, uh, Ollie? Yeah, well, basically, uh, the Indian government is saying, please, uh, we're not so sure that we want you to be doing this, taking pictures of uh, sites in Bangalore that have been earmarked as terrorist threats and so on. Um, Mumbai, of course, had the terrorist attack there. You know, there's the, you don't need to be a genius to know that Google Street View is the feature that makes it possible for a burglar from the comfort of their own home. Uh, to see a full colour image of uh, their victims' houses, case the joint from several angles, and then plan their escape route. Yes. I mean, it's obvious that you can use it that way. And on a much broader, wider scale, of course, that's going to be of concern to some governments that don't necessarily have the police strength to crack down on terrorism everywhere and then are being uh, handing the terrorists a, a, a programme to allow them to do it. Um, so, I mean, really, whenever these Street View stories come up, you know, there was one uh, last year about Germany. Uh, I think uh, 200 and something thousand German citizens said we don't want our houses and our faces on Street View, thank you very much. Um, there's always this surprise from the British and American media, like, all oh, the world doesn't get Street View. And I always think, no, it's just a bit weird that we just accepted it as, uh, yes. as something we'd all do for, you know, a bit of a laugh. Yeah, well, it was just, it's just one of those sort of British things because we don't have the, you know, we don't have these constitutional niceties that, 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 that prevent things like that from happening. In, 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 the, in that we just sort of accepted it and said, well, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, and if you look at the history of the countries that have objected, like Germany, like the Czech Republic, they're mm. countries that, you know, went through surveillance states very often. Mm. Uh, and in India, like I said, there's the threat of terrorism hanging over them it's a different thing to here in britain where people just don't seem to be thinking through those consequences no interesting okay uh, thank you for that and finally and it really is an and finally it's uh, 19 minutes to 12 o'clock he said quickly looking at the clock yes Popicus, that's the hairy cornflake himself david lee travis uh why ollie why has he been in the news this week because he was even on the today program which, he was which, I, I, not much makes not even john humphreys makes me shout and rant at the today program <laughs> quite as much as i did when he was on well he's an old world broadcaster <sighs> math you're just not used to listening to no. his uh skills that's uh, the pro- that's on the program was. i think it was that yeah um yeah he's been Al sung Chi said that she listened to him when uh, she was under house arrest and he, he got her through some difficult times listening to his program <laughs> what's it called a jolly old romp or something yeah. something like that yeah it's on like, the on yeah. the world service jolly old shows jolly old show there we yeah. are um but, but the problem was they didn't have any clips from it because they'd all been wiped and erased so that they had to go back to an old kind of uh type of broadcast where he just laughed all the time because they they, they, they the, the world service don't have the archives so here, so her point well ang sang su chi's point was that she she liked this this show and now she was complaining that uh, that there isn't any music on the well, she's on, giving on the, the reese lecture that, this is the reason yes. well this is why the, this is why this is all happening mm. she's been they smuggled microphones into her house and she's delivered yeah. these, these these lectures mm. um uh and but is there a serious point here about the um, you know, David Thomas notwithstanding. By the way, did, did you get any any impression that he even knew who Aung San Suu Kyi was? <laughs> this is what I, you know, may, I may, that may be libelous. So I, I, I think I, on the first show he had a, a grappling understanding, and by yes. the end of the day he'd been better briefed. That right. was my well. Once impression. he'd done all, once he'd, once done, he'd done the tour, Sky, yeah, News Twenty Four, yeah. Talk Sport. Yes, that's right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, there is a serious point, Maggie. Which I mean, you 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 have strong opinions on the World Service, as anyone who remembers our special from the Radio Festival. Indeed, last knows. October. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and. Uh, 
and and budgets are being cut. But uh, a lot have been a lot has gone on already with the World Service because they completely transformed it from a kind of general interest channel with plays, drama, music into a rolling rolling news network. Well, they did have some cultural programs and some other areas, but no, I mean this was the whole point that um, the Harry Cornflakes show had actually ended, I think, in two thousand and one, and she was she of course has been um, kept in you know out, out of uh, under house arrest for so long, and she was saying she's that been actually, bur- bursting to tell us about this since, since she, then. she was basically saying that I think with the World Service, you it was like a friend and a bit like I mean a Radio Four for her, where you had news and you had other things as well. No, I mean what I think about the World Service is what you know that uh, nobody really lobbied correctly last year when these cuts were suddenly sprung um, via the, the Foreign and Colonial Office on the BBC. Foreign and Commonwealth uh, Office, Maggie, com- sorry, showing your age. I'm sorry. <laughs> and if they had actually um, uh, employed normal public uh, affairs people, um, a lot of people uh, who subsequently um, you know, really protested, and of course this is led now by the new chairman of the BBC, Chris Patton, they would have most certainly uh, stepped in to protect the World Service. It, obviously you can't build back music programmes, but a lot of other um, you I know, hope the OT's not listening. He's going to be very upset. Yeah. But, but, I, but, but clearly, we've also seen the so-called massive U-turn this week, which is where... This is the, is this the, 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 the Hindi funding? Uh, no, no, for, for the Arabic services. Right. They've, they've found another couple of million pounds so that they can keep um, some of their um, actually quite necessary services for, for the uh, Middle East going. So, again, this just, I think, shows that it's very, very easy... Uh, for governments to make very stupid decisions. Mm. Uh, I wonder if Aung San Suu Kyi is a fan of Steve Wright as well. Well, (laughs) I do find it remarkable internationally, the British faces that kind of make it around the globe. You know, look at the strength of Top Gear and how famous those guys are everywhere. And then you've got people here that are massive. I don't know, someone like Simon Mayo, who no one's going to have heard of outside of Britain. Whereas (laughs) Dave Lee Travis flying the flag. It's quite weird. Astonishing, isn't it? Okay, well, I think we'd better leave leave all that there. There's more on all these stories uh, over on MediaGuardian.co.uk. We've been joined, as usual, for this final segment of the podcast by Guardian.co.uk's TV editor, Vicky Frost. Uh, but actually, we're going to talk a bit about radio, which actually falls into your um, uh, your bailiwick a bit, doesn't it? Because you're, yes, you it edit does. the TV and radio pages on the Guardian website. And you've been doing an interesting thing this week, reviewing all the breakfast yes. radio programmes, all the national ones, at least. Yes. Plus the lo- a local London station. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I know. It has been slightly... It's quite difficult when you start to try and just review everything in yeah. the whole of the country. It doesn't yeah. quite come off. And, 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 and what, what has come out of it? I think actually what's come out of it is you get stuck in your own... in, in the show you listen to every day, I think. Mm. I mean, I don't even think about it. It's just Radio 4 in the morning, a bit of arguing to get you off to a good start for the day, basically. Yeah. And then when you start to think Except about... Except when David Lee Travis turns up, which is what you were just <laughs> yes. talking about. Which, yes. yes, exactly. But, you know, and you sort of... You don't listen beyond that. And then you start listening to other stations and actually you think... Well, this is quite jolly. Maybe I could have Thursday listening to Chris Evans from now on, who I sort of... His radio show has really surprised me, actually, because I think it's very listenable, too. I mean, it's obviously not delivering the same thing as a radio mm. for morning, but it's surprising, surprisingly good, I think. And, uh, you know, and Six Music, obviously... The Guardian loves six music, etc., yes. etc. You know, and, and and I think it's a good, it's a really good show. Actually, and I like Sean Keaveney. I think he's sort of funny and and quite jolly. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. I think um, a bit unfair on Talksport that you reviewed the Alan Brazil breakfast show when Alan Brazil was on holiday. 
well, he shouldn't go on holiday when we decide to review it. I mean, but uh, lots of re- lots of listeners will be listening to yes. it while he's on holiday, so it's still got to be standard, hasn't it? That, that's true. Um, and, uh, Maggie, I'm sure, I, I don't have to ask you, I'm sure you're on Today programme uh, in the morning. Ollie, I'm thinking... Dr. Fox? <laughs> no? Uh, no. Nick Ferrari? I have, well, actually, well, I, I sometimes... Nick Ferrari. I, I have been known to dip into Moyles. I know that's, that's really? a very un friendly thing to say, isn't it? But, you know, the man's incredibly talented. He can talk for Britain. I do find that very entertaining sometimes, if I'm in the right mood. Mm-hmm. And it's not a music show either, weirdly, for Radio 1. It is a broadcast speech show, isn't it? It, yes, it, 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 it might as well be a podcast, which is where a lot of people listen to it. It's fascinating, actually, how little music yeah. there is in that show for a Radio 1 breakfast show. It's and, and actually, Chris Evans used to do that too on Radio 1, talk oh. too much. And now on Radio 2, he doesn't. He plays some more records, and it's much more listenable too for a mainstream audience, oh, I think, I, for yes, that I, reason. I agree with Vicky. I think Chris is my default listener. I think he's wonderful. Uh, he's matured so much. OK, uh, let's do a bit of television, because uh, uh, we should. Uh, we previewed Claudia Winkleman's new show, uh, the mm. King, King Of, last week, and now it's been on. What, 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 do you, what do you think of it? She's very pregnant, isn't she? She's very pregnant. In fact, I think she's so pregnant they might have had to pull the last couple of um, shows. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think she's yeah. she's too pregnant to do them. Uh, um, well, I like her on it. I think she's very warm. She's very funny. I mean, I don't think it's groundbreaking, but I think mm. it's a jolly enough thing for Friday night. And it's not some men shouting at each other on a panel show, which is equally great. But it's part of Channel 4's new approach under Jay Hunt to ent- you know, entertain to you on Friday night. talent nights. from BBC One. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes, yes. Yeah. But no, entertainment. That's, what they're, that's what they're on about. Yes. Yeah. I, see, uh, I see Fiona Bruce has got a new antique show, which should be, should be right up your street, Maggie. <laughs> Fake off watching, more like... Well, why like not? Crap I know. I, I, I'm getting a little bit fed up of antique type shows. And there's also that slightly more interesting format on Channel 4 where you have a chance to buy, I don't know, the nose of Concord or whatever and then uh, sell Four it rooms. on again. Four rooms. Yes, yeah. that's quite interesting, actually. But, you know, I don't know. I, I like Fiona Bruce, but she does spread herself a bit thinly, doesn't she? <laughs> have, you, have you ever <laughs> seen her in the flesh, though, Fiona Bruce? Uh, yeah, I have, actually. Doesn't she have the weirdest kind of princess die like charisma about her? She has. She's she got like a bubble around her. Yes. It's like Kylie. People I talk know. about Kylie in the same way. You see, my God, that's Fiona Bruce. I know, and she, she can have, like, you know, David Cameron walking next to her, and everyone talks about Fiona Bruce. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to meet her at some point. I'm going to have to engineer walk. it. Yeah. Well, I think this is why. You know, you know the, the Jan Ravens who, who impersonates her mm. does that kind of sex kit. Things mm. I think Jan Rivers must have met her because I, that's where you can I can see where that comes from. Um, uh, some sad news to report for uh, before we get on to our previews. I, I read in the tabloids. I read in the tabloids. I, I read a newspaper cutting that Ben Green has read in the tabloids this week that loose women has been plunged into crisis. Apparently, its viewing figures have fallen from two million to seven hundred thousand. Um, Bargain Hunt gets one point two million viewers, which I'm sure you, Maggie, you're, you're, you're one of. Um, is it all over for loose women? Well, I think, actually, the story has slightly been doing the rounds for a bit. Don't tell me it's a recycled old story. I mean, I think with Loose Women, it has been a phenomenon for ITV, though. They did sort of find that way to really sort of fill sort of that afternoon slot that was always totally, you know, empty, really, of anything. And much as, you know, it's all very screechy and quite horrific most of the time, Actually, you know, it is lots of women and older women on television having a show they own for women. Which Plus, it's made by ITV Studios, so I mean, I doubt ITV will access without a fight because it's, mm. you know, one of their own shows. Well, I think the issue might be they've moved away slightly from representing the audience who are watching it, and I think that might have come about after we had this business with uh, Adam Crozier and who's the other ITV bloke saying last year. Do you remember them saying that essentially they were a bit embarrassed about some of the blue collar elements? Oh, of Archie ITV. Norman. Yes. Archie yes. Norman. Yeah, they yes. wanted to be slightly more upmarket, more mm. down. 
Downton Abbey, you know, less Jeremy Kyle. And the thing is, actually, the audience who are watching are the audience who've just been watching Jeremy Kyle. And loose women in the old days used to be, I always used to think it was like five women who were all the same woman at a different stage in her life, <laughs> just talking to themselves. <laughs> and they've, they've actually spiced it up a bit too much now with Janet Street Porter and uh, Kate Thornton, yes, which isn't an ingredient it. you'd usually use to spice up anything. But yes. I think it's a diff- they've got different takes on things and they're a bit more middle class and they're not all northern and actually that's who was watching it so mm. why have they tried to appeal to you know my girlfriend when they when they had an audience before who liked it not okay. everyone in the north is screeching women you know <laughs> no <laughs> no but the audience who are watching probably did relate more to jane mcdonald than they do to janet sure. bought it. yes I, I agree i think yeah. you're right okay good point uh let's quickly look ahead then to the uh, next week and beyond uh, maggie well you were at the bbc2 launch for the summer and autumn season there's um bickwell uh, um interviewing david frost about his nixon interviews there's lots of really really good stuff there's the um hour this fantastic drama about BBC current affairs being invented in the, the Suez uh, crisis back, as a backdrop, and and that's starting very soon. Um, there's, I, I was very um, interested in, in almost all of the programmes. I mean, in, in new uh, sitcom from Ricky Gervais, uh, centering on the life of a dwarf, which I saw a clip, and I must say, it, it did make me laugh. Warren um, Davis is an incredible talent. That yes, show exactly. is going to be that's great. Going to be He's great. been crying out for yes. his own vehicle for twenty years. Yes, hmm. I also was sitting next to um, uh, Amanda Vickery, the um, you know historian, and she's making a wonderful show. It sounds wonderful about uh, the real Jane Austen and. Um, you know, how her fortunes uh, sort of, um, you know, waxed and waned during the 19th century. There's just a lot of really good stuff there. there, there is Brian a, Cox coming back. I mean, you there know. Is, there and is, the And yes, and the, well, the Polyakov. I'm well, just going to say, there is, there is, however, a uh, five-part Stephen Polyakov drama. So you can't, yeah, you can't, you can't have everything, yet. can you? Oh, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> no, I, well, he has his moments. I mean, The Lost Prince was oh, actually... I enjoyed The Lost Prince. Oh, come on. That was actually quite moving. But, I mean, this is different. It's going to be a 1930s black jazz band playing in a central London hotel hell and whatever they get up to i don't i don't actually know uh, i don't know that it I, I i suspect it will be slightly more of more of the same but i don't think that's a bad thing i mean you know polyakov whether you like him or not he is ambitious and it's classy and it, it's exactly what bbc2 should be doing but isn't you know? it tedious that he always gets the flagship drama series well, no, why can't someone else exactly have a go it's the first time he's done a series yeah, okay, all right, he's done well. Oh, so but the, the big money, he gets the money, doesn't he? Look, BBC Two drama is riding very high. They had an average of 2.6 million for the shadow line. And unusually, they had the same number of men watching as compared to women. Normally, it's very heavily skewed towards women. That was a great show for them. They did very well with the Crimson Petal and the White, 2.1 million. These are, these are difficult uh, times in which to you know, launch new drama, and they are doing pretty well on the drama front. Uh, very, very quickly, Sirens on Channel 4, comedy hmm. about ambulance workers. Well, I had a sort of a short look at it. I've not seen the whole of the first episode. Um, it's based on a blog, isn't it, that the blog that then became the book that now has become the TV programme. Um, it's a slightly odd thing because, of course, it's quite sort of gory and people are quite ill in it and they have to save them and do jokes. I found it slightly sort of head-spinning to begin with, but I don't know. I, I feel like I might settle down into it. Could be good. Um, and uh, Channel 4 has uh, started running teasers for The Killing. Now, mm. this, is, this is The Killing that we've been talking about a lot, the Dan- Danish? Dutch? I, I would, Danish. Yeah, Danish one. But this isn't the Danish one. This is, this is the American AMC remake right. of The Danish, The Killing. Yes, so BBC4 showed The Danish one. Right. And Channel 4 is showing... The American one, this could get very confusing, yes. couldn't it? And uh, the American one does have slight changes. In fact, there's just been apparently some sort of 
uh, outcry in the States because the American one's just finished there and they were saying that the ending is very ambiguous. But because I know the American one has a slightly different ending from the Danish one, I, w- I can't go onto the web and find out what anyone's saying in case <laughs> I come across an enormous spoiler. Okay. Um, but uh, I've, se- I've seen the first episode. And? And um, it's not the... I mean, if you're a real hardcore Danish killing fan, yes. it's not... And no, <laughs> you, you laugh. Yeah, all four you, of them. <laughs> you laugh, but there are quite a number of yeah. them. And, um, mostly reading The Guardian Mostly TV reading, site, yeah. yes, exactly. Um, if you are, then obviously it's, it's not quite the same and there are things that will jar. But actually, I was surprised by how watchable it was and how much I enjoyed it, even though I'd watched the BBC4 one mm. so, and, and enjoyed that. So, it, you know, it's different. I think you just need to approach it with slightly different eyes. And no okay. subtitles. No subtitles. Well, you will be pleased, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Uh, right, I think it's time to wrap things up. Uh, we've gone on from quite, quite enough, I think. Uh, as is uh, customary, before we go, uh, I do want to find a little bit about what you've uh, been do- doing in the last seven days trudging around the media village. What have you learnt, uh, Maggie, from your travels? Well, I've learnt something really interesting. You know, BBC Two was thinking of replacing or having its daytime programming replaced by news from the news channel. Well, that is off the agenda, most definitely. Well, there's all sorts of things that were were flagged up and run up the flagpole in this delivering quality first thing and quite a lot of them have all been yeah i went to the mixed. launch of the new you know the new news app that they were saying you could have on inter- interconnected television and uh, so i just happened to ask you oh, how are your 25 percent cuts going at bbc online announced in january well they haven't started yet so everything is always much later than you think the question yeah. is what will bbc2 put on their uh, daytime and also you know where do they get their cuts if they don't cut daytime programming hmm. and i don't know the answer to that Ollie, what have you been doing this week? Uh, I went to the Guardian's very own Activate conference, Matt. Did you? Managed to blag a ticket for that. Yes, how was it? Um, it was okay. And, uh, Do you know it won, it won an award for best, com- best conference this week? Wow. Yeah. I bet there's a special conference where they hand out awards for yes, best conferences as well. No, not best conference. I've just been told. No, no, I, I'm, it's best conference of the year. Not, right. not best conference of the week. Yes, probably is, there probably is. A, I bet they do a killer lunch there as well. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, I was watching uh, Martha Lane Fox. Uh, or uh, MLF, as she was in my abbreviations oh. on paper. Uh, Martha, I'd like to Facebook. <laughs> and uh, she was saying that um, uh, Estonia apparently has 98% internet penetration. There, there 98%. Was, uh, I read a slide. I think the, uh, the, I read a slide. The face, Facebook were claiming 168% uh, penetration in Cong- Congo or something. I think some some of these figures are, are you know, I will, I will take with a pinch of salt. Well, I mean, it's, you'd have to take a baby straight out of the womb and give it an iPhone to get a, a 98% yeah penetration of everyone every old person every child don't doesn't be, seem right to me don't believe it um uh, vicky have you got any nuggets of information for us uh, well torchwood which starts oh, yes. quite soon it's about quite soon uh, i think this is interesting it's going to be aired in the u.s before it is aired in the uk i i saw that i think that's a minor scandal uh, well i think it is a minor scandal i'm trying to cook it up obviously yeah. um obviously Given that the US company involved the stars who are co-producing it yes. have stumped up most of the money, right. it's probably fair enough that they get to show it first. But I think as a US fan who, you know, it's been a BBC show, I think that's possibly it, quite hard to swallow. As a UK fan, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Are you outraged, Maggie? No, Maggie doesn't look outraged at all. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it's the market uh, speaking, and it's, it's why, you know, Doctor Who started its uh, latest run in America, because there's 
you know, big audience over well, there. There's, the there's a whole other row about Doctor Who, of course, and Private Eye, and goodness knows what else. But we haven't got time to go into that. But there's all been all sorts of uh, uh, behind the scenes wrangling, hasn't there, over Doctor Who? And it's still all up in the air because it's not quite clear whether there's going to be a full series or all the rest of it. But actually, in terms of internet stuff and gossip, it's better yes. to premiere it in America and get all the geeks chatting about it right. online to build a buzz for it than bring it out in the UK well, first. Well, kind of. Apart from if you're sort of talking about people who are web savvy and really into the show, then they'll download they'll it illegally. Just download it. Yeah, I mean, but they want to watch it. In HD and they're going to watch it 20 times and they're going to put the characters in their wallpaper anyway. Well, I think it's definitely a minor scandal. I think we've could, that, that, that all sounds like a minor scandal to me. Uh, very good. Thank you very much. Our, uh, uh, thank you very much to Ollie, Ollie Mann, who was the last person speaking, and Vicky Frost, who was the second last person speaking, and to Maggie Brown. Uh, our blog and Twitter details are at guardian.co.uk slash media talk. Uh, head there to leave your feedback on everything we've uh, been discussing this week. Media Talk is produced by Ben Green, uh, who cuts out all the tabloids for me. I'm Matt Wells. Goodbye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.